We are in the second of a series out of the book of James called Faith That Works. And I want to jump in and tell you a story. I was originally hoping to be able to tell it to you, but I will explain why I'm going to read it to you in a moment. Most true stories, you customarily hear something like this. The uh, names have been changed to protect the innocent, blah, 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 that kind of thing. This story is uh, less like a true story, more like a parable, and I have purposefully inserted my name. The more I tried to tell the story with my name inserted, the more confusing it was for me to try to tell it, uh, to use my name instead of talking about me, me, me. So I've put my name in the story because um, I'm less innocent than I would wish to be. And this story bears that out, and it's a a way for me to help get a hold of a truth, and I hope that you get a hold of a powerful truth here as well. A business owner goes overseas to set up a branch of his business in a foreign country. To do so, he left his business stateside in the hands of his trusted employee, Jim. For quite a few months... The business owner wrote many letters filled with detailed instructions about how to run the business effectively while he was away. As you can see, this was before email or internet. After many months and after the manufacturing plant overseas was established, the business owner returned to the home office. The business owner was stunned when he arrived. Grass and weeds had grown up high. A few windows were broken. The receptionist was doing her nails chewing a big wad of bubble gum, popping bubbles and listening to loud music. The waste baskets were overflowing and nobody seemed concerned that the owner had returned. Furthermore, the product distribution area seemed to be altogether too quiet. He asked the receptionist, where's Jim? I think he's in the break room, she answered. The owner found him playing chess with the sales manager. The businessman said, Hello, Jim. Sorry to surprise you like this, but I'm back, and we need to talk. Come with me to my office now. Uh, Sure, Jim said, with sudden discomfort. The businessman was shocked to see that his own office had been turned into another break room. A TV was blaring, and workers were on couches watching and laughing. What is the meaning of this? Everybody out, out! This is my office! Go get to work. People quickly and awkwardly left. The businessman shut the door and turned to Jim and asked, what do you have to say for yourself? Uh, what do you mean, Jim responded. Well, look at this place. It's a mess. Your, Your office wasn't being used, sir, so we... I'm not talking about my office, Jim. The whole business is in a mess. Didn't you get any of my letters? Letters? Why, yes, sir. We sure did. As a matter of fact, we started having letter studies each week. Some of you are getting this. (laughs) Those were great letters, boss. Some of us have committed to memorizing some of your best sentences. You what? You got them and studied them, but what did you do with them? Oh, we have them all, sir. And uh, like I said, sir, we learned them. That's not what I mean. What did you do? If you learned them, then what did you do with what you learned? We learned, sir, that employee morale is very high when we're all focused together. 
Listen very carefully, Jim. Exactly how high will employee morale be when they cannot be paid? Production and sales have dropped by 33%. Perhaps your focus was misplaced along the way? Jim lamely replied, I'm, I'm sorry, sir. Maybe we did get off track a bit. Maybe? Yes, sir. We are off track, sir. Are we? In a business, this is professionally absurd. I mean, the way I wrote the story is absurd. Would it ever happen like that? And yet, in a church, it's commonplace. We forget the mission of the king and his kingdom. So James writes, James 1, 22, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. It is far more easy to deceive ourselves than any of us realize. Think about that. We read the letters that God has left us. We read the letters that Jesus Christ spoke. We read these letters and we measure ourselves by the easy things that we are doing. But do we measure ourselves by the things that we are not doing? It's so easy to deceive ourselves and measure ourselves against the wrong thing. On the screen, at VBCC, we believe in the life-changing power of the gospel good news of Jesus. We are more about transformation than about information transfer. We need to ask ourselves this question. Am I living more like Jesus or not? And if not, why not? This series is all about faith that works. But before we can see how faith works, James tells us what does not work. Now what I'm about to tell you is something that most people miss completely while they're reading the book of James. I believe that Martin Luther did. And so he looked at James and thought James didn't have the gospel in it. I'm going to show you James has the gospel powerfully built into it. And here it is. He begins with how faith does not work. James 1, 14 through 15. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Those are some strange words when you think about how James is speaking. Giving birth to death. That's a strange way to describe it. But in here, he's describing the slippery slope from the progression of deception to conception. And with conception, there's the birth of sin. And then if you look carefully, then there's sin grows. You ever recognize that? Sin grows, and when sin is full grown, it gives birth to something else. It gives birth to death. Now, what he's talking about is the end result of sin left unchecked and sin not dealt with. It's going to end in spiritual death. It actually is why there is physical death as well, 
But I want us all to notice where sin begins. Because while you're going through a really hard time and things are trying and then you're tempted to do the wrong thing, we want to blame God. And God is very clear. Sin begins here. In your own heart, when your heart drags you away by your own evil desires. So where does the problem begin? The problem begins with self. Where does sin start? Sin starts with self. Sin is our problem, and if self is where it starts, then guess what? Self-help works and self-help books, no matter how many countless ones you put into practice, cannot help self, because self can't solve self. Right? This is bad news that James begins with. But he immediately follows it with the good news of the gospel, and that's where we track next. So we're ready for point number one. Faith that works, works because it received God's gift. Faith that works, works because it received God's gift. James 1, 17 through 18 Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth. Now, we're not talking about birth of sin. We're not talking about birth of death. He's now talking about the birth, which is the reversal of the sin and death. The birth of life here, which is spiritual life, And how do we receive that? Through the word of truth. God willingly gives us precisely what we need when we are the problem. He's not expecting us to fix our problem somehow with self-effort first, and then he'll save us. A lot of people get this wrong. And James is very clear. If self is dead by the full-grown sin... What we need is a resurrection from the dead, and that's what is given to us by the Father who gives us the perfect gift, the birth of life through the Word. So we need to talk about what is he referring to when that's what he's talking about. So, review. Where self gave us birth to death, verse 15, God gave us birth to life, Verse 18, through the word of truth, and James is talking about a resurrection to new life available through the word of truth, which is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We call it the good news. That's about as clear as I know how to make it. The gospel is thoroughly embedded in what James is teaching us here. And I want to show you even further how embedded it is. When he says... When you have listened, don't deceive yourself. Do what it says. You need to understand something. James was the first New Testament writer. The first document of the New Testament written early 40s, mid 40s. Most scholars are saying James is the first writer. So he's saying when you listen to the word, the reason he's saying listen to the word is they don't have it in their paws to read and study like we do. I would say when you study the word, when you do a letter study like the story, when you do a letter study, you need to go beyond just learning the information. You got to move towards the transformation which that brings about in your life. Take steps. That's what we're always saying around here. 
The whole purpose of the church is to help move people from wherever they are to where God wants them to be, and that takes movement, action, faith that responds to the gift that is given. Does that make sense? But a gift will initiate a response. Now, having said that, where did James get this from, this idea of birth? He chose to give us birth. He got it from Jesus. Now, whether he was actually hearing it from Jesus, you see, you need to understand, James was, we say the brother of Jesus, but he's really technically half-brother of Jesus. Say mother, Mary. Jesus didn't have Joseph as a father, though. Jesus had the, God himself as father as God miraculously placed him into Mary's womb to be born as a man. James and others that you can read about in the Gospels were frequently angry at Jesus, frequently calling him out because he's just being weird. And who does he think he is? We've known you all this time, and what are you doing? And if you really are who you say you are, and they'd tell him when to do stuff, and he would, you know, have his own timing on it. But after the resurrection, it changed everything for James. And now he's listening to all the apostles preach everything about Jesus, his brother. And when he hears about Jesus preaching to Nicodemus, he hears, you must be born again. Man, it sticks, because James himself has had the experience. And it's totally based on what his brother accomplished through the victorious crucifixion and resurrection that enables us to have resurrection out of this full-blown sin slide that we're on that is giving birth to death, this eternal separation from God, and we don't know how to fix it. We keep doing stuff we don't want to do, and even though we want to fix it, we can't seem to fix it. And all of a sudden, James says, I've discovered the answer, and it comes as a gift, a gift of life. I can be born again. And he can talk about his own life that way, and he's describing it here for us. It's good news. Faith that works, works because it received God's gift. James 1.21, therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you. Okay? So how are you born again? Well, you're born again. Where did, where did James get these ideas about the word of truth being planted in you? His big brother. <laughs> Jesus taught, right, that a farmer goes out and plants his seeds. And where he plants his seeds, there's all these different reactions. And the different reactions are because some are listening really, really well and some are listening not so well. And he, Jesus, while he's telling this story, says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Almost to say, listen really well. Okay? If you're not listening really well, you're going to totally miss this. And to the degree that you're actually actively engaged in listening... And that's why when James is saying, when you listen, remember, if his book is the first book that was included in the New Testament, when they got together for church, it was all listening, listening, listening. 
And you've got to figure out how to listen so that you can get this and act upon it. And now he's saying, this is how you have to listen. In order to be born again, you have to humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Now tell me, is that gospel or what? That is gospel. Very much good news that you can receive. And James has it embedded right here. Faith that works, works because it's a, it received God's gift. Point number two, faith that works is quick to listen. In the middle of this thought, James brings a zinger that with, before I really dug into study, I always separated it out. Like James just takes a left turn, boom, this comes out of nowhere, but man, it's a zinger and it pierces me to the wall. So let's read it. Here's what he says in the middle of all this. He says, verse 19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Oh, so he's just kind of jumping off the springboard about listening and watch what he says. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, I don't know if you're aware, scripture in Hebrew says the word of God is living and active. It's piercing. It's sharp. It cuts you right through. It exposes what needs to be exposed, okay? Now, so I'm just going to ask some piercing question because it totally exposes me. This, this general proverb just cuts right through me. Like me, are you quick to answer before listening all the way through? Yeah. Like me, are you quick with your prickly remark because of someone else's prickly remark? Yeah. Like me, are you quick to jump to wrong conclusions? Yeah. Like me, are you quick to judge and interpret people's motives? Do you know that we don't have the ability to see the heart? Only God does. Like me, are you quick to offer your quick fix before really listening? I'm a dad. I fix things. Sometimes before anybody knows they need to be fixed. <laughs> right? So this is a zinger of a proverb if you take it just as a general proverb that James has put together in like fashion as the Proverbs we read in the Old Covenant. But it's more than a standalone proverb. It's not randomly placed here just because he's talking about listening. It's placed here with such specific reasons that we can go deeper, and the Spirit can do this, deeper than what we just applied, which is true, but deeper than that based on the context. And so let me read to you what we read next. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That comes right after that zinger. So, James never forgot what Jesus taught when he said, be a quick listener, because he himself was not a quick listener. In fact, he wasn't quick to listen and slow to hang anger. He was slow to listen to Jesus and quick to be angry with Jesus and quick then to act upon that anger and quick to talk and try to correct Jesus and tell him how he's doing things wrong and he totally remembers this as it relates to 
listening to Jesus. So, I need to add something that will be really helpful information. The words of truth are not the only thing that transform us. We think of words, the powerful words of God and applying the words of God. We need to understand that Jesus claimed to be the word of God, and John wrote that down quite clearly. John 1, take a look at it. He's the word of God. He is God's communication to us. If you want to get to know God the Father, you've got to get to know Jesus. He's the best communication we've got, the best revelation of God we've got. He's God's communication to us. He's the Word. Not only is He the Word, He claimed to be the truth. It's one thing to claim to be a teacher of the truth. It's something completely different to, be, to claim to be the truth, the way, the life, Jesus is claiming all of this, and James has come to believe it. It isn't just the words that transform us. It's the person who gave us the reason that we can be born again through his own sacrifice, and he is God's son. He is God's communication, and he is placed in our life. So I need to probe a little more deeply with the general proverb we just read about being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, with these questions. Have you received the gift of birth through the word of truth? Have you been quick to listen to the word of truth? A little too quick. That's verse 18 first, verse 19 next. Have you humbly accepted the word planted in you that can save you? That's verse 21. And have you been listening and living it out? That's verse 22. Let's move on. Faith that works, works because it received God's gift. Secondly, faith that works is quick to listen. And thirdly, faith that works looks intently. Let's read verse 23 through 25. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Can't even pick myself out in a lineup. <laughs> Which one am I? It's like, and I've done this with you, when you open the word of God, it's like the mirror to you to help you see yourself accurately. But we deceive ourselves and we don't see ourselves in the stuff that speaks ill of us. So we can't see ourselves in the lineup we should be able to see ourselves in because we've been looking intently into the mirror. But no, it's just a passing glance. And with a passing glance, we let that stuff go and we think the best of ourselves every time. See the point? Let's keep reading. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Time out. Time out. What is the perfect law that gives freedom? I know. All of you, every time you think of law, you think, woohoo, law has set me free. That's why there's speed limits. Wait, 
speed limits. We think of laws as limitations, as boundaries, as constrictions, rather than boom, freedom, right? That's our modern mind and how we are kind of conditioned to think of laws as constrictions and rules as, as holding us together. But let's take a look at what he is describing here a little more closely. On the screen, the Old Testament predicted the coming of a new and better covenant when God's law would be put in the minds and written in the hearts of his people. That's Jeremiah 31, 31 through 33. Now, this quote, if you have the digital outline, is included in that outline. If not, take a picture. Jesus gave us this new covenant. Jesus gave us this new covenant, which was predicted hundreds of years before he came. With the covenant, the first covenant, came law. With the new covenant came law. But it's a new and better law. It's the perfect law that gives freedom. And so I want you to understand that law. Okay? Here's the review. James used many phrases to refer, refer to the same thing. So he used the phrase birth through the word of truth. That's James 1.18. He used the phrase, the word planted in you that can save you, that's verse 21, and the perfect law that gives freedom, that's James 1.25. He uses these interchangeably all to re relate to the same thing. That perfect law is the law of Christ. That perfect law is the spirit, the law of the spirit within us. That law is setting us free, not constricting us. And I want you to understand how it sets us free. Here it is on the screen. The perfect law that gives freedom gives freedom from the power of sin and freedom to serve God and live life beautifully. We were bound by sin, constricted by our own sin, and we could not live in this freedom. And in fact, we were headed towards an eternal spiritual death, which is the result of our own sin, and sin starts with self. But Jesus was able to absorb that all on the cross and release us, and I should be hearing that's Good news. Nice. Let's try that again. That's good news. All right. Thank you, Jaden. This freedom functions more like a compass than an electric fence. How? Through Christ in you. Read Romans 8. You're going to discover the law is the law that sets you free, the law of the Spirit. When you listen to the word today, there are two generalized responses. One, a passing glance that is quickly forgotten, or two, looking intently. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom will be blessed. I think we could add, we'll be blessed forever. Because as we look into Jesus and we receive him planted in our lives, he's absorbed our sin, 
He raises us from our own death. He sets us free from the power of sin. Now hear me correctly. It doesn't mean we never sin again, but we never have to. Because we have a greater power, the Lord Jesus Christ in us, and now we need to learn how to live according to this freedom, according to this power, and in a vibrant living relationship with the truth, walking in the way, because he is the life, and understand what that looks like. Those who look intently into Jesus say yes. So this zinger of a prescription, let me just put it this way. If all the things that I've been describing to you is just leaping inside of you, that's the Spirit of God saying, dig in, dig in, learn it, grow, experience your freedom. If inside there's kind of this deadness like, "Mm mm-hmm, oh well, that's kind of good. You're listening with a passing glance and it's not planting in you. The roots are not growing. There's the invisibleness of below the surface and nobody else is going to see the sprout growing up, the green shoot sprouting upward and all the growth that supernaturally comes when you are intently looking into the face of Jesus. That's when It shows. That life change shows. You can't stop talking about how it's changed you. So if you're kind of, here's James's prescription for you. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. He's saying this. You have a blockage in your life that's causing you not to be able to hear. There is a sin in your life that's causing you not to be interested. There is something in your life that you're not willing to let go, and so you're not interested in Jesus much. It's time to recognize where this is heading. Repent and humbly accept the word of life. His name is Jesus. He who has ears to hear, Let him hear. Father God, we thank you for the powerful words that you have given James, which came from you. And we ask you to help us to keep looking to you and experience the life change that comes from living in a vital relationship with you as life, source, being, purpose, everything. It's all about you, Jesus. We thank you and love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a prayer team to the left of the stage. If you need to just talk about what you need to let go of and have them pray for you and talk to you about Jesus, this would be a great time. If you have any other prayer need, go see them. God bless you. See you next week.